Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games out there that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. It can lead to a serious case of, you know, I don't know what to play next. Uh, and I guess that's the purpose of this podcast, is to explore some of the fantastic games that are out there today, uh, industry events, events that my guests and I have been playing in, and uh, occasionally we get to talk to the authors of some of the games uh, that we enjoy playing. Now, uh, I thought, given the last couple of episodes of Cast Dice, we'd, we went down sort of an interesting tangent with Rick Priestley, where we looked back at the very earliest origins, the pre-Warhammer 40K, 40K, basically Rick's design ideas when designing Warhammer 40,000. Then... Um, there was a Warlord cast about uh, theming bolt-action armies, but when Cast Ice returned, we spoke with, of course, the very talented Nick Beatty, who talked about his Thunder Warrior project, which was very 40K tangential. And I guess this is all timely, given that everyone's talking about 9th edition of Warhammer 40,000, and yes, I'm painting Noise Marines. Uh, however... I don't want folks to be confused. I have a couple people saying, oh, well, you're going to go down to Games Workshop fanboy uh, thread. Uh, that's not where I'm going to go with this, guys. Um, calm down. This is still cast dice. It's going to be what it is. Uh, am I going to talk about Games Workshop stuff? Eh, probably. Um, they are kind of one of the biggest gaming companies in the industry, if not the largest. Uh, it will happen from time to time. And tonight's topic is tangential it's um it's not 40k so much as it is maybe old school citadel tangential slash adjacent uh and of course before we get into the proper theme i do need to introduce my guest now he has been on uh he's been on this show before and we have talked dread we have talked chinese uh and we have talked a great number of other subjects along the way I love having this guy on, and he is an incredible hobbyist. His painting skills are top-notch, and the things he's going to be talking about tonight, I'll have to share pictures of his goblins because they are truly sensational. Of course, I'm talking about Jonathan. Welcome back to Cast Dice. Oh, hi, Brad. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. That was, uh, that, that was a lot. <laughs> Man, it is always a pleasure to have you on. For those who didn't hear the Chinese episode, the Chinese uh, Bolt Action Army, where we did, were talking about our, our various projects, you converted an entire communist Chinese army before the Korean book and all of the associated models came out mm -hmm. using a variety of bits and pieces and plastic Japanese models, which was mm -hmm. uh, pretty damn impressive, if I must say. But then since then, you have, you know, gone down some pretty awesome hobby rabbit holes. You taught me how to play the Dread game from Warlord. Mm -hmm. We played, you know, some great games using your models. Uh, you had both the some of the judges and the Strontium dog characters painted up. It was a lot of fun. Um, but recently, I mean, you've been playing a lot of Warlords of Erewhon with us. Mm -hmm. But you've been going down sort of a, a really fun rabbit hole, and that is going to mm -hmm. lead us directly into tonight's topic. So, John, tell us what you've been working on, and we'll go from there. Sure. So, um, Warlords of Erewhon, great fun. Um, one of the one of the my favorite things about it 
uh, is it's uh, miniatures agnostic. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it doesn't say you must buy Warlord miniatures, you know, Warlord's providing a variety of ranges now for it, but, you know, it's it's very clear uh, when Rick wrote it, it was designed so you could pull your old miniatures out of the closet that you haven't used for years and plonk them on the table and, and play a game with them. Uh, and um, sadly, uh, whilst I did many, many years ago, back in the 90s, have an old miniatures collection, uh, I no longer do. Uh, it, it's it's lost to time and eBay, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, not, not my sales, <laughs> but uh, I believe that's where they ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, but... After um, uh, sort of giving some thought to, uh, to to different armies I wanted to build in in warlords and and you know uh, different options, um, I came across uh, some uh, old school goblins um, and. Uh, Look, this was just in in browsing for different ideas, different options, and so on and so forth. And um, it sparked something in me. You know, it reminded me. Hang on a second. I recognise these goblins. These these goblins look familiar. And mm-hmm. I should go back and say that I I played uh, I played 40k epic Warhammer Fantasy Battle. You know, all this stuff religiously, like weekly uh, as a kid in the 90s growing up um but i stopped well, i reckon around about 98 99 somewhere in there i played my last game and uh uh just stopped and didn't play again until i got into bolt action a couple of years back with mm-hmm. the chinese as you, you've talked about uh and i sort of hadn't thought about um the old miniatures the old you know old collection, the stuff I had, the stuff that mates I was playing with had, um, until I came across, it was actually some newer sculpts through a, uh, a little company in Spain called uh, Nightmare Miniatures mm-hmm. um, that had these goblins. They, they really struck a chord with me. And uh, um, on further inspection, I discovered that they were sculpted by Kev Adams of... Citadel fame. Yeah. Old um, school GW. You know, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I suddenly, you know, a wave of nostalgia, mm-hmm. started looking around at what was out there, exploring, you know, looking at new Kev Adams sculpts, but also the, the older stuff and, and um, started looking into whether or not I could get my hands on some of that stuff. And I've, I've gone on a real journey um, collecting a... Uh, God, probably, I mean, models-wise, I've probably got a couple of armies worth of um, of goblins at this point. Certainly not painted, uh, but um, you know, of, of trying to get together the the models that I'd need to um, to play Erewhon and a number of other uh, miniature agnostic games that are out there at the moment. Hmm. Would that be Oathmark or Kingdom or Kings of War, perchance? So, look, I'm. 
it's one of these things where you look at it and you go, okay, so I've got these miniatures and what <laughs> yeah. games could I play with them? You go, okay, all right. Uh, Saga Age of Magic's out. People say that's good. All right, I could yeah. use that for this. Uh, yeah, Warlords of Everyone, obviously you can use it for that. Mm, Oathmark's coming out. That'd be fantastic. Kings of War, that's miniatures agnostic. I could do that as well. Yeah. Um, also, you know, hey, uh, I see there are some. there's a bit of a resurgence of people playing fourth and fifth edition warhammer fantasy battles so you know maybe if they could be you know compliant with the rules there i could use them for that too so yep look it's uh as you are well aware it's a it's a deep rabbit hole you know so i've sort of been collecting with the idea of creating a force that i can play across multiple different uh rule systems yeah well, I uh, I absolutely know where you're going with that, and um, if you've uh, listened to this show for any length of time, you know that I am absolutely uh, living in the wheelhouse of nostalgia on uh, on a bad day and on a good day. Forget about it. It's all about it's all about GI Joe and Transformers and all the things that I loved growing up. Um, and I guess um, I guess for me the 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 lean into Games Workshop old Games Workshop models has been a little bit more. Uh, I guess this, I'm going to pull a, a quite a, a little tangent here. Um, with, with all that's going on with COVID, with everything shutting down, um, mm. I, I, this is normally the time of year I travel back to the States and see family and friends. Um, I'm, I've been feeling fairly isolated in Australia. Not that, you know, I don't have friends and family here. I do. Um, I've been having a wonderful time spending a lot of time with my wife and the dogs. Um, it's just been, you know, it's actually been not a bad situation for us, but you know, it, it, it does, you know, the world is a little crazy at the moment. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, that just the, I guess the lean into simpler times. Um, mm. I didn't have the necessarily the, the best high school experience. Um, and for me, that was when I heavily sort of put other games aside and picked up games workshop. I mean, really mm -hmm. proudly for the first time. And so for me, um, just those heady days, the the classic nostalgia of old Games Workshop uh, and Citadel models. I mean, when you used to open Dragon Magazine and see, mm. you know, art of Space Marines storming a castle, and then there were pictures of the models doing that as well. I mean, you just don't get that anymore. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just... So I, I've had quite a few old models, and um, as many of you have heard when talking about Warlords of Erewhon previously, um, one of the first models I pulled out to play with was a uh, was an early uh, ogre model, Warhammer Ogre from God nineteen eighty seven eighty eight. It's a Jez Goodwin sculpt. I, I believe it is. Am yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's one of those. And there's just you know I've the the original big hat chaos dwarves have always been my jam. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me there was you know a, and the you know classic chaos warriors. I I just have a lot of old models, and I guess that's where I'm going with this sort of thing. Um, you know the, this nod towards old models now. When I'm talking old models, I mean, a lot of people talk about old hammer as a particular sort of genre of gaming. As you said, a lot mm. of people are looking at classic editions. I know a lot of people have been looking at Rogue Trader recently and Second Ed. I guess mm -hmm. people always looked at Second Ed 40K. 
Um, but I also know a friend of mine was asking me to play sixth edition Warhammer 40, I mean, um, Warhammer Fantasy Battle. And I know, mm-hmm. John, you and I were talking about kicking around uh, Rogue Trader the other day. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of love for the old games, but it's not just Citadel. Um, I know, so I'm, I'm hesitant to call this episode Old Hammer because there are some fantastic models from other companies as well, that sort of lean back to that time. The original Battletech metal models are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got a pile of models that I only just realized are actually Citadel. Um, they're, they're Citadel making Oriental Adventure models for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> in the early 80s. Um, and some of them are Ali Morrison. Um, and so it's oh. like, oh, oh, that's funny. Hmm. I guess I didn't mean to, you know, I didn't realize these were, they <laughs> didn't realize they were games workshop. Um, so there's, there's a lot of great stuff and a lot of old um, models to love. Um, but it is important to remember that, I mean, games workshop was super successful uh, for a long time and still is because of the quality of their sculpts. And they've always mm. sort of been on the cutting edge of the industry. Uh, and, you know, even back to the 80s. So, yeah. And for me, it was that aesthetic that hooked me in miniature gaming in the first place. Um, but, yeah. Um, John, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, this, shall we? Um, why, why are you specifically interested in this? Did you, we kind of talk about that? Um, so, I guess, uh, I mean, when you say this, so... Um, you know, we're talking about those older sculpts, and 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 right. as you said, so I think you said something really interesting there, which is, you know, GW has always been on the cutting edge of, of quality of um, sculpt and mm. and you know also production quality and this that and the other, um, and then you know there's there's some other companies that have done phenomenal stuff as well, but mm. certainly GW has has uh, uh, been quite a standout historically, um, and I think that. Um, it begs the question that, you know, GW is still churning out these amazing models, you know, and they're advancing, technology's advancing, the, mm-hmm. the detail is improving. Um, you, you know, it's now all the ZBrush um, digital sculpting and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, and, you know, I, I think it is reasonable to say, well, if they're on the cutting edge and they're advancing, why would you go back to sculpts from the eighties? You know, why would you, why would you collect them? Why would you paint them? Why would you use them? Why wouldn't you just get the latest and greatest? Yeah, that's right. Um, And look, I certainly, I'd like to hear what your answer is. Why, why you, I mean, you've got that stuff. It's in your cupboard. So obviously there's a, yes. you've got that resource already, but um, I'm sure you've got newer stuff in your cupboard as well. I do. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I, yeah. So, so I guess, the old ones. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I guess it, it is that, that, that nod back to those heady days of high school when, um, I would um, play regular games with uh, a good friend, and he had his orcs, and I had my space marines. Um, I mean, we played a ton of games from Advanced Recon to the James Bond role-playing game to Marvel superheroes role-playing game to Ogre to Car Wars. I mean, Battletech, you name it. I played tons. I mean, he was my gaming mm-hmm. buddy 
for the early part of my life. Um, we pretty much played everything that we found and wanted, you know, could play. But then um, we both got into the Warhammer. And so, and mm. that's when that happened for me. And then he went off to college, sort of leaving me um, to not have an opponent for a while. But um, thankfully, I started playing regularly with some other friends in Japan whenever I would go back. But for me, that was... Um, I have such fond memories of those games. Um, and for me, that the aesthetic of a lot of that was really mm. powerful. And f- the, the, the Rogue Trader era, the um, second edition, even going into the third edition, the early third edition models, um, have, have such an appeal to me because that's when I was mm. voraciously um, just devouring anything mm. I could get my grubby paws on from, from Games Workshop, uh, White Dwarf Magazine, Necromunda, um, even Warhammer for, uh, Fantasy Battle, which I wasn't necessarily playing much, uh, mm. Battlefleet Gothic, all those games that I absolutely uh, just in- inhaled. I, I, I was a crazy convert. And then when <laughs> I got hired by the company, which was third edition Warhammer 40,000, um, I got a massive amount of toy soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've talked about my closet. It's something that people joke about on the podcast and um, through the Facebook page. And I do have a, a disgusting number of toy soldiers. But prior to my divorce about a decade ago, um, I had more Games Workshop product than most toy shops because I used to supply <laughs> toy shops and I knew exactly mm-hmm. the product level that was expected of you know good accounts. Mm-hmm. And I literally owned more. And when I used to work for Games Workshop and, you know, they were sold out of certain things, I had accounts who would occasionally call me up on the side and say, hey, I really need Space Marine Tactical Squads. And I know you got a couple and I know the warehouse is sold out. Can I get a couple? Uh, and I would send it to them because I had it and the warehouse didn't. Um, and so but so I let a lot go in the divorce. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. Didn't know if I would go back to 40K ever. It was sort of when the early days of 6th edition was sort of the... And I I was a big competitive 40K player, and I kind of left that all behind. And in the process, I got rid of some things I really regret. And so Mm. for me, it's... On one hand, it's playing with the toys I already have. Um, And Mm. Games Workshop is unbelievably expensive in Australia these days. Um, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I mean, it's bad around the world. It's unbelievable here. Um, mm-hmm. The new starter set is three hundred dollars over something, maybe four hundred. It's it's unbelievable, mm-hmm. um, and so I won't be buying that. But uh, I am curious to play the game again, um, mm-hmm. sort of narratively with friends. But I have the models that I want to play with yeah. for the most part. Um, and for me, it's using what I already have, and in some cases, mm-hmm. digging back and reacquiring a few things. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to go off one last little tangent, and then I'll get back to you there, John. Um, I recently tracked down my childhood Land Raider tank mm-hmm. that I gave away um, when the LRDG started, I gave away the last of my 40K tanks, mm-hmm. and it was in that as just a lot. I literally gave it to a friend, um, and he wanted to pay me for it. I said no, and he gave me like a, a six pack of beer or something. And I was like, that's fine. <laughs> and I gave him a bunch of stuff. Um, and in that was this Land Raider. And I thought mm-hmm. I'd never want that again. And of course, I do. 
Um, <laughs> and so I tracked it down and he'd given it to another friend and I found I tracked him down and he is going to send it to me. So I am going to get my childhood Land Raider that I played all of my games with. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't own my original Space Marine Army anymore, which was my mm-hmm. first ever miniature army. And I regret um, getting rid of it. God, 20, before I moved to Australia. Um, but that was the one thing I kept. And then I gave it away. And so mm-hmm. for me, tracking that down is a really big deal. Um, that said, I have acquired um, over the years by hook and by crook and um, by some of it from my olden days, I have almost an entire Rogue Trader Space Marine army um, that's, mm-hmm. you know, either has been stripped, which we'll get to, or is has never seen paint um, mm-hmm. and is uh, sitting in my closet waiting to be done. So depending on what the new 40K does, uh, I may use it for that or for something else. But I would like to... I mean, going back to those classic models is just, it feels like home. And, mm. you know, I i do feel like I kind of owe myself a little bit of penance for turfing the very first thing. <laughs> like the romantic part of me says, why didn't mm. I just leave it at my parents' house? Um, you know, why, why don't I still have that? I still have my mm-hmm. G.I. Joe collection. I still have, you know, countless toys I wish I don't own. And I don't have my original Space Marines, which was a, I mean, it was literally like 150 models with countless mm. vehicles and everything else. And I just don't have it. And it's sad. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. So, um, I mean, what, what, what I'm hearing is is that for you, nostalgia is, is a, a huge part of this. It's, it's really about, yeah, you know, recalling those simpler days. Mm-hmm playing with your old toys, um, remembering good times and so on and so forth. Do you think if you didn't have those associations, if you'd come to, to wargaming now, do you think there would be any value in, um, in going back to old miniatures, collecting old miniatures, using old miniatures for, for contemporary games? Or do you think it's really just for for people like us who have got a history with it, who who you know um, are nostalgic. I think that comes down to the individual. I know a couple of folks um, who have come to wargaming later in life, or came through historicals and never went down the Games Workshop route, mm. who have been looking up the new forty k. Um, and have been looking at some of the newer models. Uh, Patch, for example, um, yep. never never played Games Workshop games classically. Mm. A lot of the models he had actually came out of my closet. Um, <laughs> so for him, I, I I don't think he feels the the pull to go back to the old old days. Because be honest, um, if you look at most Rogue Trader era models, they're pretty terrible. Mm. Um, I can't imagine anyone looking at that or at a new Space Marine and going, "Yeah, I want that one." Mm. Um, however, I think from second edition on, there really are some classic models. I mean, we get into some of the classic Imperial Guard models. People mm. love those to this day, even people who didn't don't have that. I mean, those guard models, um, you know, the Praetorians being um, you know, the the British from Zulu. You have mm. um, the Valhallans who are the Soviets and Stalingrad in their great coats. You know, there are the uh, Talaran Desert Raiders, Lawrence of Arabia. There are just mm. so many themes that people can mm. latch on to 
then I think that those are still evocative and grab people today, Mm. even though the models are really old. And there are companies making some fantastic um, third-party modern representations of those Victoria miniatures. Mm. Um, Particular sticks out in my mind, um, as does... Uh, oh God, uh, Reptilian Overlord makes some fantastic bits and pieces too, and um, the robot company, which I can't remember. But there are some phenomenal mm. um, third-party recreations, modern retellings of those genre, of those models, that if you slotted some of the second-ed models in, it's seamless. And if you look mm. at Instagram, there are tons of models uh, of tons yeah. of armies made up of sort of those half-old ones and the half-new ones. So, yeah. Mm. Sorry, John, did I answer your question there? Because I think it does come down to the individual. What do Mm. you think? So, uh, interesting you mentioned Instagram, because I I think there's some some really amazing stuff that gets put up there, um, new paint jobs on older models um, that that really make them shine. And you you sort of look at them and go, really, this is a, you know, this model's 30 years old? How can it be? They're just amazing. Um, and I think that also, so you mentioned the old road trader space Marines and, and mm-hmm. sort of stacking them up with the contemporary ones. And, you know, you look at them and, and the old ones are tiny and goofy and, and say half the size. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and maybe this is rose colored glasses on my, my part. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, my own particular skew of nostalgia, but I do feel like there are models that have aged better than others. Oh, man. Amen. And, Amen to yeah. that. <laughs> and, you know, the Road Trader Space Marines, for my taste, haven't aged fantastically well. And I, I know there's people who burn me at the stake for saying that, but, you know. The, there's, a few, <laughs> there's a few really good ones, and the rest, I'll be honest, are fairly garbage. But yes, starting second ed, I think what you started to see better models. But, you know, going back to, so again, my, my particular love at the moment is, is those, the old goblins Mm -hmm. and, you know, I will make the argument that I think the character of the third, fourth ed goblins, yeah. Um, had something that hasn't really been captured since, yeah. um, at least by GW, that, that there is a, you know, and, and this is going to come down to, to sculptor, I think, more than anything else. I, I, I think this is more about Kev Adams than it is about GW, but um, there is a, a cheekiness, a goofiness, a mm-hmm. silliness uh, in those sculpts um, that just that, that I feel like disappeared. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, I stopped playing around the time those sculpts were cycled out. So, you know, I, I fully respect that nostalgia and, and my experience plays a huge part in this, but I do feel like uh, those old goblins, and I'm looking at a whole heap of them on my desk at the moment, mm-hmm. that they do have, there's something about them that, uh, still makes them um, worth having, in in my view, um, yeah. over over other goblins that are available. Having said that, somebody else wants to say, you know, 
um, wants to go with the new stuff, I'm not going to come out and tell you you're wrong. You know, yeah. uh, there's there's some beautiful stuff out there now, oh, yeah. and some just amazing, huge, beautiful models. But um, you know, I, I do think that the old sculpts can um, can go toe to toe with some of that stuff. Uh, just in character, if nothing else. Well, one of the interesting things about those old goblins is, um, and you used to see it um, in the older ranges, there were, because they were made in metal, um, mm. they there were variations, there were more variations made in metal per model for a lot of regiments um, mm. and for 40K armies, for example. Uh, and I know this from having worked in sales, um, there were, you know, oftentimes there would be 10 different variations that you could put in a box. So there mm. weren't typically a lot of repeats. Um, but then when GW sort of shifted to more modular models, again, enter second ed, um, the number of sculpts that they made per line decreased. And then over time mm. it decreased further because you needed fewer models, fewer variations to create armies. And at the same time, Games Workshop did something really clever in that they were selling bits to convert. And they really highlighted mm. that as an aspect of the hobby in White Dwarf. And then you could buy the bits through the mail order service, um, at least in the U.S. and in the U.K. I'm not sure if that was ever an option in Australia. Um, but you were able to get the bits to create mm. the variety that was sort of there previously. Um, so that variety was still there. And it, at some point, when I, after I walked away from Games Workshop, the, that variety, the posability of mm. the plastics um, that allowed you, which was the next progressional step, um, mm. that allowed you to create that variation using uh, you know, a, a, a handful of the same parts, but they were posable yeah. so you could create that variety and then add some bits and really make it your own. And now it's really sort of come full circle and we're back to almost monopose space Marines yeah. um, who don't, you know, who, who only fit together one way. Um, yeah. And so you don't have as much variety, but when you look back at those, those old um, goblins, there are mm. so many different faces and they all have a different personality. They're all pulling yep. a different face. Some of the posing might be similar, but every model has its own personality, which mm. really um, is a treat if you're a painter. Yeah, I, look, I am, as we're speaking, looking at 30 different uh, metal goblin arches, all different sculpts yeah. um, that, are, that are going into my warband or into my army, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And look, in all fairness, only 11 of those, I believe, are original GW sculpts. Um, but certainly in that old C12 Goblin range, so, you know, pre-4th ed uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battle, uh, yeah, there is, a, this is a conversation I see online a bit, that, that people aren't even sure how many of these goblins there are because exactly. there are so many of these different sculpts. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them, and you talked a bit, um, when you were talking with Rick Priestley recently on your podcast, you, you um, he was talking about the... Um, cutting back miniatures and rebuilding them and so forth. And that, that's clearly something, as you say, that, that's gone on here where there's a sculpt that's quite clearly, it's got a, it's got a twin, you know, it's got a, another one where the legs will be the same, but everything from the waist up is different and it'll have a different face and a different, uh, you know, the arms will be in a different pose, be holding something different, you know, that sort of thing. So there is some, 
uh, some repetition within the sculpts, but yeah, you can easily build an army with entirely unique sculpts, and that's that's yeah. part of my current project. That's what I'm trying to uh, to do as much as possible. Oh, that's so awesome, man! That's going to look so good on the table. <laughs> yeah, I, it's also. Uh, doesn't really lend itself to speed painting, and there's a lot of goblins. So oh it's man, taking, uh, taking a while. Yeah, I pulled out my plague marine army from Ooh. when I was going through my divorce, um, and it has had been languishing in a drawer for a decade. Recently, and I'm hoping to finish um, thirty plague marines uh, in the next couple of days of the or the first couple of days of school holidays mm -hmm. um but one of the cool things that i realized as i was sitting down to batch paint them um mm -hmm. you know batch paint highlights was when i i remembered batch painting these models being the biggest grind in the world mm -hmm. and it wasn't until i was going to highlight them that i realized why there are of 30 models i think there are 20 varieties mm -hmm. um because i have everything from you know, the earliest second edition Plague Marines through to the last generation of metal ones. Um, everything through there, and it's everything's converted. And there's a lot of mm -hmm. more variations that I remembered digging through. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that variety, as you say, there is no speed painting that because everything's <laughs> different. Absolutely, yeah. So um, did you want to talk about... So you, you get your... Uh, your old models out of your cupboard. <laughs> I mean, this is where you're sourcing them from okay. primarily. But I'm, but, I'm uh, gap filling though. So, yeah. um, so I'm also so, looking at old stuff. You, however, are acquiring a new project. So while I have mm. maybe a little bit to say about this, I think you have a lot more. When mm. looking up older school models, um, mm. finding these things, because uh, there is a hell of a collector's market for these things. Mm. Um, where yeah. are you looking? Because I got my sources, and I I'd love to pick your brain and share <laughs> share share notes. Sure. Uh, so, um, look, there's there's a few different places that that uh, I've been successful in in getting models. Mm -hmm. I, look, I I want to say that the consistently the best source is um, Facebook trading groups. Yes. Um, which you know has risks associated with it, but there's oh, yeah. um, you know there's local there's uh, Australia based old hammer trading groups. Mm -hmm. There's more than one. Um, interestingly, uh, yeah. There's also international ones. You know, there's there's um, international old hammer. There's international middle hammer trading group as well. Um, I'm sorry. Say that. Say that again. Middle hammer. Middle hammer. So, are you familiar with this? No. This term? Please explain. Oh. So, like, I'm certainly not an expert in this. Um, as with anything, when you get enough old grognards together, um, people start fighting about definitions, uh, and the definition of what is old hammer is, you know, it's contentious. It's not. People have got different opinions on, mm -hmm. on when old hammer ends uh and uh, i think the i think generally about 92 is considered to be the end and then after that you've got middle hammer uh and as to the duration of middle hammer you know that, again that's down to your, your <laughs> the individual and, and what their particular belief is but um certainly the um 
the stuff that when I was playing, so so sort of that 92 through 98 period, which was probably when I was most active, I think falls into that middle hammer category. So yeah. uh, if you're looking for fourth ed goblins, for example, um, probably middle hammer. It's a lot of monopose stuff as well. That's when you, you know, your box full of goblin spearmen or plastic monopose. That's that's when that comes into into its own. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a funny distinction. Uh, is it a meaningful distinction? Mm, <laughs> maybe not. Right. But uh, it's certainly a distinction that exists. So anyway, so there are Facebook groups for all these things, um, and that's that can be a good source, good place to to um, you know post up. I'm looking for this, or or look at what other people are posting to to sell. Yeah. Um, there's of course eBay. Um, which... Yeah, eBay's been really miss of late. I mean, back in the day, it was great, but too many people are, I think, looking are looking at other people's asking prices and then basing their prices on yeah. it, and they're basing it on prices advertised, not prices yep. sold. So there's there's a couple of really notorious resellers who. Uh, aggressively price gouge or, or list yeah. things at well above their value, you know, so individual goblins going for, you know, 20 pounds, 25 pounds. Yeah. There's definitely, I've definitely seen a single snotling going for 25 pounds, you know, like listed for that. Yeah. Just incredible. Right. Um, and so unfortunately, because those listings go up and they just sit there and they sit there indefinitely just until, you know, somebody's desperate enough to buy them, I suppose, mm -hmm. if not forever. Uh, if I go onto eBay and I punch in snotlings, you know, these prices come up and I go, Oh my God, I'm sitting on a gold mine. I've got 40 snotlings and I can sell each of them for 20 pounds. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, no, you can't. Um, yeah. So no, you can't, but it does, I think lead to this this inflated idea of what's possible. So one thing you can do is look at eBay sold listings. I encourage anybody embarking on a on a project like this to do this. If you're looking at what a fair price might be, um, you can look at eBay sold listings. Look at what things have actually sold for. That's a great because that tends to give you yeah that that gives you a real price of what you might pay for or or sell even um, these miniatures for as opposed to those ridiculous, obscenely high uh, asking prices. So yeah, look, eBay is a bit hit and miss. I've had some good scores on there, um, usually through auction more than through buy it now. Again, buy it now tends to be pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the other source, of course, would be um, you do have secondhand stores, you know, people who are selling either brick and mortar or online, mm -hmm. um, reselling secondhand models. And, and sometimes they're priced quite reasonably, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, and if you're really keen, uh, trawling op shops, of course, is, is always an option, which is a lot of time where those big scores that then get divided up and, and turn up on eBay come from. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, it, it, the stuff's out there. Uh, I encourage anybody looking to, to buy this stuff to be patient, to make lists of what you want, to set, to look into what you think an acceptable price is, and to 
not panic buy. Yes. Um, super easy to go, oh, there's this thing and I might never see it again because it's so rare and yeah, okay, they're yeah. asking a couple hundred bucks for this one model, but what if it never turns up again? Mm-hmm. I need to buy it, you know, and it, it's, it's, it can be really hard to, to, to walk away from it and say, no, look, that exceeds my price, but, yeah. you know, going into it in a planned fashion, I think, is the way to go and i think unlike buying new models which i'll be honest um i'm not going to throw you in this category john but Mm. um you might fall in this category i know i definitely do when Mm -hmm. uh especially when i'm tired uh and it's the end of the term and i might have a little money in my pocket and the add Mm. kicks in hard and it's like oh i definitely need this or that or this other thing and i end up with you know, some crazy game mm. options that I never thought I'd quite want. Mm. That is not how to do old hammer or however you want to, no. you know, searching classic models. You need to know what you want. Uh, you need mm. to kind of need to know what, I mean, either you're buying something because it has meaning to you, like mm. me trying, if I wanted to go find that ogre, a second one to go with the one that I already have. Mm-hmm. Um, or for example, uh, when completing my Rogue Trader army, I know, for example, I need five Rogue Trader era tactical space marines. And I've been looking for months. And I'm still mm-hmm. looking for... And, <laughs> and that will get us to the next question. But I'm, I'm still looking for reasonable condition. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to convert. I'm happy to mm-hmm. restore. But finding something that's restorable, um, mm-hmm. uh, that... That, that's tough. Mm. Um, so I think having a game plan, knowing what you need to buy, not just the, oh, that looks cool, or, oh, I remember that from a white dwarf. I'm going to go buy that. Now, that might be the whole purpose. But if you're mm. going for a whole project and you don't want to break your bank, mm. it's probable that you want to have a game plan. Um, yeah. So I know what I'm looking for, and I've been looking mm. for it for a while. But I'm, I'm, it's on the down low. It's a slow burn. Um, and I'm, I'm avoiding those, those tempting eBay auctions of like, Oh, it's only 20 bucks for a model. That's 20 bucks for one metal space Marine from way back when Mm. and going, Mm. yeah, no, I don't need to do that. Um, (laughs) but when you oftentimes, when you do find those deals, um, Mm. when you can actually get a decent price on some of these things, it's because, uh, they've been previously painted. Mm. Uh, and, and let's be honest, Painting technology has come a really long way uh, Mm. since the 80s, since those models were new. Um, And getting the old paint off can be quite the hassle. Mm. Have you been stripping models uh, as part of your goblins? Just constantly, yeah. So, um, and this this is one of the joys of old metal models is that metal is infinitely easier to strip than than plastic uh, or resin um and uh yeah so metal models because the the model itself is uh you know a lot harder to damage um from from chemicals and so forth you can drop into a lot of different solutions that'll just clean the paint right off with with pretty minimal effort Mm -hmm. depends on as you say Paints have changed. Like I picked up a lot of, it was something like 30 or so snotlings that had been painted in thick enamel paint. (laughs) 
And oh yeah, like I gotta say, trying to get that stuff off these tiny little models out of all the little grooves and everything was, uh, I was I was pretty frustrated by the end of it. But you know, again, metal stuff, not so bad. Um, there's a lot of really great resources online. Um, you know, just go to YouTube, punch in you know stripping paint from miniatures. Um, I've been using enamel thinners. I've had really good luck with that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's very fast. I know some people like to use, uh, you know, less toxic stuff. Um, and if you uh, want to strip uh, plastics or resins, you need to go with far gentler substances. I yes. believe you've been, you've got a, a, a land raider sitting in simple green at the moment. Is I that- do. I do. Um, and it's, it's, it's not my rogue trader land raider, mm-hmm. but it's another one that I inherited as a gift way back when. And again, I also handed away at, at the same time I gave away my land raider and in hunting mm-hmm. down my land raider, this other one came back to me. Um, and, uh, thank you, Miro. Um, so I, decided to strip this thing. But the reason that I was gifted this model way back when was the person said, and I quote, you might be able to use this for terrain. Um, It had been uh, primed black. Some sort of blue paint had been caked on it that is viscous. Like it had dried lumpy. Um, Then it was painted red. And then on top Mm -hmm. of that, you can tell someone literally, well, maybe not literally, but probably used a house brush to paint white, and I don't even know what kind of paint it is on top. Um, I think none of it, I don't think any of it's enamel. Um, none of it, like it's, it's been, so I let it rest nine hours in the simple green, and I gave it a scrub with the toothbrush, and I got you know some of the big lumpy bits off. Then Mm I sort of went at the corners with a screwdriver to get the really the the corners um, sharp again because they were Mm -hmm. uh, concave with full of paint. Um, Then I soaked them for 24 hours and attacked it again. Uh, And now it's still awful. Uh, I'm hoping to get it to the (laughs) point where I can use it with my plague marines, uh, at which Uh point it's going to get really rusty. Um, <laughs> but I don't think there, I'm ever going to get the sins of this particular model fully out, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, man, I, I may switch to Detol uh, uh, very shortly because though the simple green's been getting off a little bit here, a little bit there, mm-hmm. it's brutal. Um, yeah, yeah man, yeah. I, I've always done metal models. I've never stripped mm-hmm. a plastic model until literally now. And now I know why I've never done it. <laughs> my experience with using stri- simple green to, to strip plastic has been there's it there's a lot of scrubbing involved yeah. um always way more than i expect uh and you know you sort of get it out you scrub it you chuck it back in again leave it for a you know a week get it back out again scrub it some more yeah. so on and so forth um but yeah it, it it is always a question of how much is this worth to me how much effort do i want to go to to to, to rescue this uh this model um i have seen uh people using simple green with is it sonic cleaners the you know mm-hmm. i'm not sure how much you want to spend on rescuing an old later land raider but uh you know like um these uh i believe they 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 vibrate um and and you know 
again, don't know the science of it, but uh, uh, apparently quite effective in uh, um, yep. getting unwanted paint off models. So good friend uh, of the show, Muddy Funster, uh, AKA Pat um, once cleaned a bunch of old cast dwarf models that were mm-hmm. very disgustingly painted mm-hmm. um, and very thickly painted. He cleaned it using the, that method and yep. they came back. They look exactly like they've just walked out of, you know, the, mm. the metal room at GW. They look astonishingly good. Uh, if I hadn't handed him the painted ones, I, you know, would have been surprised mm. to find out they'd been stripped. So yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to use that. I don't know if that will oh, that will work for a whole Land Raider. I mean, that is a significantly <laughs> larger model. Is, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, mm, it is tempting. It is very tempting. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, and look, there's, there are some other things with, um, you know, as you said, it's, it's not always just the paint that's only the, the, the problem. Look, I've had a couple of things where I've, I've gotten a model and it's, it's missing a part or um, mm-hmm. uh, I think the worst thing I got was where somebody had clearly tried to strip a plastic model in something that was damaging to it. So it was melted and that one. <laughs> yeah. That's terrain at best. Uh, yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe oh, not even terrain. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and then, then you know, there's, there's lead rot. If you go really old mm-hmm. miniatures, which, um, you know, again, people have written papers on, on what to do about lead rot. There's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a huge restoration project. But um, that just gives me yeah. a headache just thinking about it. Yeah, I, th- I think my sort of level of commitment is um, for metal miniatures, I haven't met paint I can't get off yet. Uh, so yeah, exactly. I'm good with any any degree of bad paint, uh, especially if that reduces the price. But uh, broken, I'd have to really want the model to, uh, to pick it up broken. Yeah. There's... Uh... There's, uh, yeah, yes. I mean, you, I mean that if you're and there are models that you get broken that you can convert, but then, um, I know that in some communities Mm. converting old models is then seen as sacrilege. Why would you cut this apart? You know, it was the same sort of thing when I cut my old childhood Millennium Falcon apart to make Star Wars mm-hmm. Legion terrain. People lost their minds. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the, the old Hammer community is the same way. Um, years ago when I worked for GW, I was gifted a Katachan uh, standard bearer. Um, mm-hmm. and, not, and I was told it was pre-release because I used to get occasional pre-release materials. Um, but it was mm-hmm. never actually released. And years later, on uh, a couple of painting forums, um, both Wargamer AU and Warseer and Daka Daka, I posted mm-hmm. pictures of my Imperial Guard army, and people were asking me where I got the banner from. Um, and it was it was the the bionic arm holding the banner pole, the banner itself, and mm-hmm. the legs were from the original model. And I'd cut mm-hmm. the torso and head off and made it match the rest of my um, stormtrooper army. And so um, I kept telling people, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a conversion of an unreleased Katachan model. And everyone kept saying, no, it's not. That isn't that, that was never released. And I said, I know 
I just said that. It was unreleased. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's like, no, bro. I worked for the company. I was I got it out of the, the box that said the, the mm -hmm. headquarters. Mm -hmm. I was handed it by a senior, you know, manager at Games Workshop that this was going to happen. And I cut it apart that day because I thought it was cool. <laughs> Had I been told it was unreleased, I would have kept it. But I mean, it's that kind of thing that um, mm. you know, you want to be careful when you're considering getting some of these old models to cut apart that, you know, the peep that you know, their, their value drastically changes um, if you start yeah. cutting them to pieces. So, I mean, that, that also raises an interesting question of, of you know, what are you collecting for? Uh, and yes. and what's, your, what's your end game, you know? And I have, so one of the struggles I've had is uh, I have previously always um, done bases in, independently of the miniatures I'm painting. Yeah. So, you know, I'll get a miniature, paint the miniature, do a base, put the miniature on the base. Uh, and I, I believe you do something similar yourself. Um, on and off, yes. Yeah. Uh, however, you know, now I've got, you know, a, a bunch of goblins from 1987 that mm -hmm. are, are slaughter-based, right? Yeah. And on the slaughter base, it says goblin and it says GW and it says, you know, 87. What I'm looking at right now says 88, you know, mm -hmm. but... Um, this is part of the model, you know, part of the history of the model. It um, is. And do I want to snip that off? You know, is that is that heresy? You know, is it okay to 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 snip it off to to rebase the model? Um, and do I want to do that? Um, and look, I, I think for me, um, short answer is um, look. They're toys, they're for playing with. Uh, if you want to chop them up, change them, whatever, more power to you. Build what you want to build out of it. Mm. Um, also, I have not been able to snip the slaughter bases off these miniatures. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I, uh, I've completely changed the way I base miniatures. I'm actually a little bit disappointed in the current basing I've got for, for the ones I have painted because of it, but um, I just couldn't couldn't bring myself to um to snip bits off the models so you know it's a it's a it's a funny push and pull but i'm also not i'm not looking at resale value i'm not looking this yes. this is a project where i'm thinking okay this is going to be good i'm going to make this and then later down the track i can sell it for for x amount of dollars because um i just don't really have any interest in, in generating an income that way you know mm -hmm. uh might i pass them on if i wind up with too many miniatures <laughs> as if that could ever happen um trust me it happens it hurts <laughs> it's a burn know, man it burns it, it's already happened to me sadly but you know uh, yeah look absolutely um but i don't want resale value to be a core consideration for me in in how i paint these models or put them together or yeah. anything like that like this is for me this is very much just about the pleasure of getting these old models painting them up in a in a way that i wouldn't have been able to years ago um making the army that i've always wanted to have um and and you know just really enjoying the models so um yeah i i, I am Certainly not thinking resale value. Yeah. Um, 
Me neither. Although for the number of soldiers that I've sold over the years, I probably should. Um, <laughs> but I'm the other thing that I pulled out recently is my old um, noise marine army, and I've been working through mm -hmm. that. Uh, I took it's my old Sons of Helvis, um, and the the only reason I kept the mob of noise marines was I was never going to sell the Dave Taylor, very, very, a former White Dwarf editor, um, very prolific hobbyist, um, mm -hmm. amazing dude. He's been on the show a bunch of times. He converted um, a, the, he, he, well, he converted Helvis, which for me was a giant uh, emperor's children, uh, demon prince that has mm -hmm. Elvis's sunglasses and Elvis's pompadour. <laughs> Um, with a noise marine cannon jutting out of its forearm, and it is amazing. Uh, and I'm looking at Helvis right now. In fact, he's he's waving at me. Um, but he painted it in bone and gold to match the uh, the famous gold jumpsuit, and uh, I, I really wanted to uh, sort of honor that as the army. So I kept the noise marines that went with him. And in the process, I, I now have a 40K army again because this was an army that I didn't lose when I got rid of everything else be, only because of the romantic attachment to, well, not romantic, but I didn't want to get rid of that beautiful gift. Mm -hmm. It was a wedding present when I got married the first time, and I, I, <sighs> wouldn't, I wouldn't get rid of that. And so um, for me to go back to the noise marines, um, which are a kit bash of, again, like my Plague Marines, a ton of different mm. generations. Um, but it's funny you were talking about snipping bases. When I rebase these to the modern 32s, I pulled mm -hmm. them off of their bases and clipped their tabs to put them on 32s. Yeah. And the command squad has four of the original, original second edition um noise marine model holding the guitar with the bolter Ooh, attached yeah uh and uh just looking at those now i'm going three of them i cut to pieces to rebuild <laughs> so they were different marines holding mm -hmm. guitars um but yeah i looked on ebay the other day and somebody's yeah. selling those for 99 dollars each <laughs> now of course that's not what they're <laughs> buying them for but yeah. I still made me go for one split second. Oh my God, <laughs> what did I do? I, they are certainly selling for a, a, an enormous price, though. I, I can, I'm not sure the actual dollar number, but it's it's high. Uh, those are highly sought after and wonderful old miniatures. But uh, oh, and the again, model, the modern yeah. remake of that one model, because they re-released mm. re one noise marine. Mm -hmm. in recent history and it's you can get it for i think 65 dollars retail but it's I, one noise marine for yeah. 65 dollars and I'm, I'm going he's the only noise marine i don't own and i'm going <laughs> do, do i do i do i add him to the army do i not add him to the army because <laughs> i even have bits and pieces from the second ed noise marines which i absolutely hate the look of but mm -hmm. were my first noise marines mm -hmm. um before i worked for games workshop I had a, I had a couple squads of them in my original mm. uh, Chaos Space Marine army. So for me, I had to have those. But mm. you know, do, do I buy the new one anyway? Sixty five dollars for it, one model. Jesus. I, anyway, I, I, it's a wonderful model. I had the same response. I remember when that was released, and I wasn't even buying all GW stuff at the time. But I looked at that and went, "Oh, this is fantastic!" Right? You know, I'm gonna 
gonna gonna break my rule and, and buy a new uh, new GW model, and then I saw the price and I went, oh yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe not, <laughs> maybe not. And I'm not one to usually balk at a price. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that was a bridge too far. And then I real then I saw a side by side pick, and I realized he's a full head taller than um, mm. every other noise made in my army. So yeah, yep. <laughs> maybe not. But yes, um. <sighs> Sorry, John. I think uh, I pulled us off that particular one. Um, but w- yeah, I-, I guess for me, keeping them, as you say, to play with is, mm-hmm. I think, where I'm at at this particular junction in time. That said, from time to time, I do sell armies. Um, but when I sell armies, I-, I don't usually try and, you know, make a, uh, I'm often told I'm underselling what they're probably yeah. worth. For me, I, I need the space, and I'm not selling it because I'm desperate. Um, mm. If I did, I would, and that probably wouldn't be great. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, if I get some hobby yeah. money for it, that's cool. And if it goes, mm-hmm. if I put the time and effort into an army, for me, if someone able, someone else is able to play with it, and it brings someone mm. else joy, that's honestly more important. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm very much with you on that. And that's something that you can, um, that Facebook groups I find help with, um, you know, eBay, if you sell it for a low price, then it's going to go to a reseller who's going to try and flip it for more. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the the sad reality of it. But, um, you know, you go onto those Facebook groups, um, you get to know the people on there, you know who's collecting for the sake of, you know, painting them up to put them in a, in a project or something like that. And, um, you know what you're selling for, you know, you can certainly, um, I'm not saying there's not, not people there to, to, to flip miniatures. And I'm not even saying that flipping miniatures is a bad thing, you know, necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I agree when you, when you're selling something that's old and has, you know, that, nostalgia value you want it to go to a good home you want it to go to somebody who's really going to appreciate it and you know paint it up and and use it you know by yeah. preference um if if at all possible no agreed man agreed well i guess um john let's talk a little bit about maybe some favorites um mm-hmm. do you have any favorite sculptors any out of production miniatures that are your favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything in particular you want to talk about? Doesn't have to be goblins. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been giving I've been giving it some thought um, about some mm-hmm. of the things that I like. Um, I'll start the ball rolling. We can maybe ping pong a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I as I as I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of the old uh, Ali Morrison uh, samurai models that he made yep. way back when. Um, many of whom were created for Oriental Adventures and were put out by Citadel Miniatures in the UK. Uh, I love those models. There are mm-hmm. several versions of AD&D models somewhere out there, uh, Oriental Adventure ones, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a couple that don't match in my army, one being a Wujen, which is the like magic user, and that's my wizard for my army. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that um, I don't know who did those. I would love to know who did those. If I actually 
spent more than five minutes looking, I could probably find out, and I just haven't <laughs> done it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I've recently joined a bunch of old hammer uh, collectors groups, and I'm sure I could just take a picture and say, can somebody tell me who this is? Oh. Uh, and yeah. it would take two seconds. But yeah, um, that's where I'm going to start. Allie Morrison, uh, Samurai Models from way back a million years ago, which if you want these days, ladies and gentlemen, you can buy them through Foundry Miniatures. Anyway, go ahead, John. So uh, I think I'm going to actually stay on uh, Allie Morrison as well, actually. Um, I'm going to – this – okay, so this almost feels a little bit um, – bit of a cheat because uh it's it's such an obvious pick but the marauder giant right uh, yeah is just it's one of the things that just is totally em emblematic of of that era of of warhammer fantasy battle for me like it was just you know it was i, I feel like it was in every group photo of of you know yeah. battles of, uh, you know round about the uh fourth ed uh um, Warhammer, Fantasy, Warhammer Fantasy Battle, uh, just a fantastic, iconic sculpt. I genuinely don't feel like they've done a better giant since. Um, I can again, see that. Yeah. I know, nostalgia, sure. No, but... that model's beautiful, man. It is beautiful. Yeah. It's a little on the small side for a giant these days, but it <laughs> is gorgeous. Is it going to kill you if I tell you I sold mine last year? <sighs> Sorry. Look, I would be sadder if I didn't have one coming in the post. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, sorry I didn't get it to you. It's um, all good. I, I, I believe, well, when I say I have one coming in the post, the post is a little bit on the unreliable side at the moment. So, what, do you, what do you mean? You know, there isn't a global pandemic. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Hopefully it turns up. But I do believe I have one coming. I've been looking for a while and, and sort of a good price on one. But, uh, yeah, just a... a, a fantastic sculpt um yeah. beautiful miniature have always wanted one have never had one really looking forward to uh to painting it up yeah i um all right i'll, I'll go i'll stay in fantasy land then mm -hmm. um now i i did mention it before a million years ago i uh while working for games workshop and sales uh, I had the opportunity to go out and spend a weekend, uh, I think it was two or three weekends in a row, uh, where I drove out to meet the, um, the battle tour. And they had a, the battle mm -hmm. wagon, which was this van that drove around with bits that you would sell and they would go to stores. And it was like a traveling metal room that people could order bits and have it delivered to stores. Mm -hmm. um, but then as part of the promotion for that, they had the battle tour and it was the hunt for the fallen. And um, mm -hmm. and it was Fallen Space Marines, and it was a big game that you could come and play, and there were all these, and they featured the characters in White Dwarf, and there were all these weird independent characters, like the mad mm -hmm. scientist and, you know, the, the possessed mutant and all of these different Fallen Chaos uh, Dark Angel Space Marines that mm -hmm. you had to battle, and it was come and hunt them. And they had uh, in rebel, in they were leading rebel Imperial Guard. Well, I painted the Rebel Imperial Guard. It was my Mordian army, um, what, mm -hmm. or what would become my Mordian army. So I, they asked staff if anyone could volunteer to paint some things. And me being a terrible painter at the time, um, mm -hmm. I cranked out an Imperial Guard army worth of grunts, and they were very poorly painted. Um, but 
they were black, so they were fairly simple. But I painted the skin up fairly nicely, and the metal was okay. And so they were they were meant to go out and get mauled, and that's what the models did. But I went out mm-hmm. and volunteered and played um, the bad guys in some of those games and yelled at kids who brought their models to play on these battle boards. And at the end of all of this, I not only got to keep the Imperial Guard Army, which was fantastic, um, even mm-hmm. though I had to, to fix a lot of chips. Um, <laughs> yeah. At the end of it, because I'd volunteered so much of my time, um, a friend in the company who shall remain nameless gifted me the U.S. Studio Chaos Dwarf Army. And so for years, and I mean decades, that was my only Warhammer Fantasy Army that uh, was fully painted and was regular full tabletop. And it was those models, the original big hat, Chaos Dwarves were my army. And I, I love mm-hmm. each and every one of those models. I know that's kind of, again, cheating. Um, <laughs> I can't really narrow it down because the entire range was put out at once. Everything has mm-hmm. the same aesthetic. Um, it's just brilliant. I love the the wizards. I love mm-hmm. the, the, the Taurus. I absolutely adore those models. And uh, it kills me that I sold that army. Um, but that was one of the divorce, need money, must go uh-huh. um, situations. But I do have enough Chaos Dwarves today to recreate a playable force. Mm-hmm. Um, and a large chunk of that is the original medals. And oh, I yeah. adore them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's me. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're, they're fantastic models. Um, so I'm going to go with then... Um, so I, th- I'm i actually going to go with a model that I don't have a... that I never saw back in the day, um, but that I've become aware of recently and, and, and just fallen in love with. Um, and that is... Grog Stunty Crusher, one of the Perry's trolls from uh, one of the C20 trolls from 1984. Nice. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? No. So this is a, so the C20 trolls. So C20 trolls covers quite a range of different miniatures from from miniatures that were imported from Fighting Fantasy, I think, uh, line or, or something like that. Um, you know, so pre Warhammer stuff. Um, the I believe that the Perry 84 sculpts were the first ones that were actually created for um, Fantasy Battle, and they were replaced in 87, I think, with, um, with some Ali uh, uh, Morrison sculpts. Uh, but the, the, uh, the 84 Perry ones, are they're very diverse, as a lot of those miniatures back then were, so they're... Yeah. they're you know, they're, they're not all visually consistent, um, although they definitely have an aesthetic to them. But, um, yeah, Grog Stunty Crusher is this really weird he's, – he's bent over um, to the point where he's actually got his tongue touching the ground. Um, awesome. So that's actually part of the structure of the model is, is the tongue on the ground. And then he's got these arms – Lifted up above his head with a with a rock in it, um, ready to uh, crush a stunty, I suppose. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is just a, a, a fantastic, creative 
sculpt, uh, and it's yeah, it's it's just beautiful. And I um, I've been lucky enough to um, the 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 eighty four trolls are, are quite tough to yeah to get a hold of. I'm very lucky to have uh, have one. I haven't painted it yet. Um, I'm trying to get that full set of Perry trolls before I uh, I paint them. Um, but God, that might take me. A very long, a very long time. But yeah, so yeah. Uh, Grog Stunty Crusher. <laughs> nice. That's a good one. Uh, okay, I won't go for an entire range this time. I'll go for a single model. <laughs> uh, it was a model I did own and I had professionally painted. And again, um, sadly, was sold during the divorce. I, uh, some of my most some of my favorite models sadly disappeared in that era. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Centurious. Central Centur- uh, Sergeant Centurius, um, mm-hmm. who was the Legion of the Dam special character, um, had a chain yeah. sword and he's holding the skull above his head. Um, mm-hmm. And he was sold um, as part of uh, when Games Workshop opened its 100th store, hence the Centuri, you know, Centur, mm-hmm. Centi, um, 100. Uh, he was sold one day, that day. Um, he was <sighs> then sold when I worked for Games Workshop. Um, mm-hmm. There was a cute thing where we were told we weren't allowed to tell our accounts what was in the box. But it was one of the Christmas promotions that we said, Mm -hmm. there is a secret model in this box. And I can't tell you what's in it. Um, And there was only, God, I don't even know how many were sold, like 70 of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of them came back damaged. And mm-hmm. but intact, like the box was destroyed, but the contents were intact. Mm-hmm. And uh, my boss, knowing that I desperately wanted this guy, gave me first chance to buy it. And I wasn't allowed to buy it with my discount. I bought it full retail. I was like, fuck, yeah, I'll take that. And ran <laughs> it, ran out to the store and bought it right away. And I didn't mm-hmm. need any Space Marine in that box but Centurious. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so for me, I adored that model anyway. Fantastic pick. Uh, the, some of those old uh, Legion of the Dam ones are, are just amazing. They're gorgeous. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I far like the original Legion of the Damned more than I like uh, the other ones. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'm sensing a trend here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I will let you get back to it there in a sec. Um, I can't help but notice that every one of the models that I mentioned has a story attached to it. And nah. I think that's because, yeah, I mean, clearly it's because I, you know, these, these models, um, mm-hmm. and I think that just goes back to what we were saying earlier. These models have value because of their, the memories. It isn't necessarily mm-hmm. they're the greatest models ever. However, Centurius is, um, <laughs> just quietly. Uh, but yeah, anyway, John, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah, so there's association. And look, I, I will for my next one go with one that I did have a historic personal association mm-hmm. with. I mean, look, to be honest, like uh, when it comes down to favorite sculptor, I, I've already said his name a number of times, but Kev Adams mm-hmm. is just far and away my absolute favorite sculptor of all time. Um, love, you know, everything he does, just really fantastic stuff. He's also quite prolific, which is great too, because yeah. <laughs> it means there's a lot of a lot of goldens to collect, uh, mm-hmm. among other things. But, um, uh, oh, you know what? I should, uh, I really hope this is, um, 
No, no, it's definitely um, the the. I'm going to cheat a little bit and and go with a a bit of a range, um, or mm-hmm. a very limited range, which is the uh, fourth Ed Fantasy Battle Squeeze. Oh, nice! Yes, uh, those are awesome. Yeah, um, which again just really iconic for me um they are i i feel like they really lean into kev adam's strength which is faces you know he does these amazing characterful goofy silly faces and Mm -hmm. the original squigs were just face you know they were faces on legs that that was pretty much the the whole of it and um you know i i have Always loved those original squigs um, right from, from back when I was playing. Uh, and when I started this project, that was one of my, like, just 100%, this is something that I, I need uh, to, to get, to add to uh, to this army. I need those original squigs. Um, unfortunately, there's only seven in the original line. Uh, eight if you count Gobbler. Um, um, plus of course the, the, the squeeze hoppers. So, um, I'm a little bit short for, uh, for the purposes of Warlords of Erewhon that, um, of course there aren't squigs in Warlords of Erewhon. There are totally, um, copyright neutral, uh, gobble dogs, (laughs) (laughs) which are are totally not squigs at all. Um, but, uh, so I am strongly considering breaking my only one of any given sculpt rule just for the squigs, just because I love those squigs so much. And, and I, I just want to have as many of them as possible uh, in my army. Um, and the squigs are something that I feel like um, the, the, the follow-up, the next run of sculpts, I don't even know who the sculptor was on the, on the, the second um, series of them, but just, totally missed the mark for me. Like yeah. they, they, they're very aesthetically different. They're, they're a lot more realistic mm-hmm. if that makes sense, but anatomically they have some sort of sense to them. They look more like actual monsters that could exist, um, you know, and have space for things like internal organs, maybe <laughs> uh, <Yes. laughs> as opposed to the, the originals, which, you know, just, they, they just don't make any sense at all. But, yeah. uh, yeah, nothing beats the uh, the originals for me. And I've got to add, um, there is hope for that the limitations on, the, on what's currently available. Uh, I believe that there is. Um, I hope you don't mind me marketing somebody. Else. I've got no association with this, but I believe there is a Kickstarter coming up sometime this year for some Kev Adams sculpted squigs. Really? Uh, Ooh. Yeah. So. I'll be all over that. Um, he's also um, the, he's also uh, got his own company now called Goblin Master that's done mm-hmm. some uh, a, a new run of squeak hoppers, um, eight squeak hoppers uh, that have just been uh, just been released that that look just like the old ones too, which is uh, fantastic news for me. I'm yeah. very excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Oh, I mean. May, I, I think we could probably do this all day. Um, <laughs> maybe, right. what, maybe one more each, or are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep this one short. And it's one I still own. One that I acquired. God, twenty years ago, 
25 years ago and it is what it was the first stripped model i ever hunted down and bought because it was the only one of its type that i ever found mm -hmm. which was the games day 1991 space marine captain um which to me you know it appeared in white dwarf and i said i absolutely wanted one like it was just in, it was in a lot of background pictures i think mike mccavey used one in one of his um dioramas but it, mm -hmm. i mean it, it was basically the very iconic famous which is also one of my favorites um space marine terminator captain from rogue trader um the guy with the buzz cut and the grenade launcher on the back of his power glove. Mm -hmm. Very famous model. Um, this is basically that guy in power armor. Um, he's got mm -hmm. a power glove. He's holding his gun. And if you look at the model, it's actually... The model itself, the master, is, is flawed. There's no handle to his gun. He's holding the gun oh, wow. by... He's holding it sort of up on his hip. And he's holding it by the ammo clip. And there's no actual grip or trigger to his gun. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, I think that is fantastic. And um, I have him, I found him the other day. I thought I'd lost him over the years. Oh, and I found idiot. him and I was very happy that I still do. So yeah, the 1991 Games Day model. But anyway. Wonderful. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and look, I, I think again, the, the flaws of that model again speak to uh, how important nostalgia is in these things. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, can you imagine Games Workshop putting out a model without a, a gun handle now? People would lose their minds. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right, so for my last pick, uh, look, I know I've sort of stuck to a theme here. I'm going to keep on that theme because, you know, it is my, my current area of interest, interest but um, uh, the original double-decker Snotling Pump Wagon. Um, right? So good. Is Oh, look, just just a fantastic model which again for me is such an embodiment of the you know what those the, that orc and goblin force was uh in that era you know it's so goofy and silly and ridiculous uh and and you know it's just wonderful it's just ridiculous and wonderful in all the right ways uh, and um, I, I, I love it. Uh, I've always loved it. Um, and uh, uh, I, uh, again, I've managed to, to score one of them. A uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good deal as well. Um, and uh, very, very excited to have it back in my possession because it's just a, a phenomenal model, which again embodies everything that I think was wonderful about um, Orcs and Goblins back in the day. Hell yeah, man. Those are, oh God, all those models are fantastic. I forget, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm, I forgot <laughs> about that model till you just mentioned it. Mm -mm, mm -hmm. So good. Well, uh, John, as I said, I think we could probably talk about this all day long. But mm -hmm. as, we, as we unpacked these stories and the miniatures that we loved and just looking back nostalgically, I think it really does, it does bring us comfort in these weird and wacky uncertain mm -hmm. times to, to look back and to fondly remember. And in some cases, fondly revisit and, uh, you know, see what a new lick of paint will give uh, new life to some of these classics. Uh, mm -hmm. And they may not be for everyone. I know that there's a huge 
Uh, I know when I would pull out Rogue Trader era models, people would, you know, literally pull the worst faces ever. But, you know, <laughs> if you ever want to mess with a Games Workshop employee, ladies and gentlemen, just go into a retail shop, and pull out a Rogue Trader model and start painting it. Watch people <laughs> like, you know, you can tell who's a decent employee and who just, you know, <laughs> it, it is it is entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Old Hammer has its has its moments. But um Guys, I, I know that a lot of you have uh, been writing in saying uh, how you've been enjoying the show and the fact that I've kept it going. Um, I, I'm glad that John reached out to talk to me about this today. Uh, I'm, I'm reaching the end of my term, uh, it's school term, I should say. It's mid-year for us, and so it's report writing. It was the end of online teaching and the return to school, which has been a huge amount of work. Uh, and I'm pretty well shot. And so uh, if this episode is a little more rambly than usual, uh, I apologize. I'm operating on about half a cylinder. Um, but it has this topic has brought me so much joy. And I'm so glad that John and I sat down to do it. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And if you haven't, I know I have gotten a few messages from you. Uh, saying, when are you getting back to Indie Games, Get Off Games Workshop? Yes, I get it. Indie Games are coming back next week, kids. Um, I'll be back on school holidays. The The videos will resume. Uh, it's just been a very trying term. Good. I mean, we're great. My wife and I are healthy. We have jobs. Everything's great. We're just exhausted. And so I'm looking forward to a nice relax, recharge, and then get Cast Dice back on the road again. Um, but yes, thank you for everyone who's messaged. If you are looking to message, um, if this is your first time listening to the show, I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, I highly recommend the Rick episode. Uh, if you were listening to this looking for some more Old Hammer, um, the Rick Priestley episode, I believe it's episode 90 uh, or episode 91, is, uh, is, is one of my favorite episodes of all time. I, I highly recommend that you give that a listen. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining me, man. I, I know it's been a bit like herding cats, and I know I'm supposed to be the host, and you were hosting me at points. Thank you so much. No, my pleasure, Brad. It's uh, always great. Thanks for having me back again to uh, to really just uh, ramble on about some uh, some projects that are of interest to me, and and hopefully uh, to uh, to some of the listeners as well. Well, man, I'm looking forward to getting those goblins on the, t- you know, seeing those across the table mm-hmm. from my Chaos Warriors, uh, and we can play some Erewhon or some uh, Oathmark or some King's War. You name it, man. I'm ready Definitely. to rock and roll. I got my forces ready to go. Uh, and likewise, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll get some Rogue Trader on the go, and we'll have uh, we'll, we'll revisit some of the olden days. Definitely, definitely. Well, guys, if you've been listening to this and you want to message us and tell me to knock it off, uh, please do. Uh, If you go to Facebook and you search up Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E, that is Cast Dice, uh, you'll find one page. uh, That is the Cast Dice podcast. If you message it, I'm the only one who answers. This is technically a one-man show, even though I have so many wonderful guests who visit with me every week. Um, I guarantee a response. Uh, You will get one. Uh, although at the moment they may be short, uh, sorry, <laughs> I, I will be back, uh, in the saddle next week, um, properly after a good sleep. Uh, Jim is well, uh, right next to me and the little guy is tuckered out. He is the unofficial, uh, co-host of this show. He is my dog and he is out cold. I know qu- uh, quite a few of you have been asking about how the old guy is. He's still with us. Um, so yes, thank you for, uh, all the messages 
um, about everything. And guys, uh, in these crazy times, we hope that, you know, the usual ending of this show will go on. But I'd like to add to that. We at Cast Dice really do hope that you are well, you are safe, uh, and that, you know, the world isn't getting you down. Um, we will be talking about mental health in an episode of Cast Dice very soon. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to tackle that appropriately uh, and meaningfully so that it might, you know, be an interesting topic to talk about and that you might get something out of as a listener. Um, but I think, as my old buddy Casey says, when you are playing these games that we know and love, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, when you are playing these games, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Good night. Are gone and attract my home.